0: Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel, and welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change, leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Securing the Supply Chain with former Lieutenant General Thomas Horlander. Thomas, welcome to the show.
1: Great to be here, Darren, and, and thanks for having me. I look forward to our discussion today.
0: So Thomas has joined us recently at Intel, joined the Intel Public Sector Team, another great hire. Um, we've we've hired quite a few former military uh, that have just brought so much depth to our team. And uh, Thomas, you uh, were in the Army, Lieutenant, Lieutenant General. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and... Um, so the, the, you know, the audience can get to know you a little bit.
1: Well, so Darren, I joined the army back in, uh, 1983, um, after I had, uh, got my bachelor's degree in the, the great state of Washington. And, um, I, when I, when I joined, when I joined the army, you know, we were going through the, the country was going through some, some tough economic times, um, and uh, you know, I'd come from a military family. My father served in both the Korean and Vietnam Wars uh, in the United States Air Force. Um, and I basically uh, graduated uh, from college with a bachelor's degree in finance. Uh, thought I was going to have this blossoming career in the private sector. Uh, things were pretty tough. So I quickly realized that living back at home with my mom and dad uh, and sleeping in the same bed I did when I was 12 years old was not what I had aspired to do with my life. So uh, I sought out the military and uh, I joined, um, went to basic training and then officer candidate school and started a career that I thought was going to be about three to five years long. And uh, it turned out to be 39 years of service wow. in the United States Army. And I just uh, recently retired uh, last year, uh, as you said, as a, a three-star lieutenant general. I did a lot of work uh, in the field artillery uh, as a younger officer in, in the combat arms field. And then uh, at about year 18, I became a comptroller Uh, and served in that capacity for the final 20 years or so of my life, with my final position being the Comptroller of the Army. Uh, And I I retired out of that position here just about a year ago today. It was the 1st of October a year ago. And so loved the Army, loved serving. Uh, You know, a lot of people come up and thank you for my service, but I just like to tell everybody I was the lucky one to get to wear the uniform and serve our country uh, for as long as I did.
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to uh, echo what many other people have said and thank you very much uh for your dedication to to our country and serving. My, today my yeah, we want to talk a little bit today about supply chain and because you were the comptroller of the the army, you know a lot about supply chain. You know a lot about uh, you, <laughs> Okay. About if you I mean say so. if I yeah. say so, you know a lot more than I do. Um and and also, we've got this Chips Act that was recently passed. Um, tell, can you tell the audience a little bit about how the Chips Act plays with our um, national security and with our um, Department of Defense? Uh,
1: yeah. So, um, for for me, I would tell you um, as as. As, as I joined, so let, let me just back up for a second, uh, Darren, and tell you, you know, as, as, I, as I retired, and I, I knew I didn't want to be retired and just stay at home, and I did want to pursue a second career, um, but I wanted something that was really meaningful. I wanted, I wanted to get with a good organization that had a really a meaningful a mission, great people, and I would tell you, I struck gold. I absolutely struck gold when I got a phone call from Greg Clifton, uh, which started the process of me being able to join the One Intel team. And uh, what a privilege, what a pleasure. I would tell you, I absolutely love it. Um, and I would tell you, you know, it's, it's such a great opportunity for me to continue to, to contribute and to serve our fellow countrymen. I, I can tell you, I wouldn't have said this 30 years ago, but I think it's in my DNA now. Uh, that I want to do that. And I would just tell you, being with Intel, I just, I love every day. Great teammates. What a fantastic culture that this organization has and fantastic leaders. And I really consider myself fortunate, but you know, I guess what I tell you is it does not surprise me uh, after the six, seven months that I've been with this team uh, as to why Intel is an iconic industry leader. Um, And so I really, I really consider myself fortunate. And what I really inspires me is that Intel plays this fundamental role in everybody's everyday lives, not just day to day. I mean, you can't get up in the morning without some kind of microelectronics right there uh, at your every move, but it's also that we get an opportunity to influence the future of our country, the future of the world and our children's future. And so I guess what I tell you, and, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but I would just say, how wonderful is that?
0: Oh, so, <laughs> there you go, Pat. Pat will be ecstatic that you you tied our latest, our our newest branding in, right? How wonderful I, is that? That's
1: awesome. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I would tell you, um, you know, uh, I'm excited. I love this, but um, it's so interesting when I think back over my life and I think not to, not that I'm this old man, but when I think back over my life, and you and I are about the same, probably about the same age. Well, yeah when I, right. when I joined the army, Darren when I joined the army, um, we didn't have computers. We didn't have uh, we probably had microelectronics, but it was such in a, an embryonic stage. Uh, it was probably in just very remote pockets of our society or in the world. Um, I can remember as a young man, you know, our copying machine was this ink drum that you used to crank and I remember those. roll it and, and ink would spill on this piece of paper. And that's how that's how you made copies. Yeah. We had single channel radios. We used to connect wire from one radio to the other. And, you know, today we talk about microchips, but back then, my big worry as a young officer was, did I have enough D-cell batteries to operate the radios? <laughs> um, so when you think about how far we have evolved, and I would tell you, uh, of course, my profession was in the United States military, but I would tell you all segments of society just kind of evolved together as we discovered these, this wonderful thing called silicon and all of our technological advances. But you know, I remember the days of, I remember the days, one of my first duty assignments was South Korea. And I remember we used to all sit there on Sundays and go to this, this building where at and had these booths and we'd get in line and we'd wait for the booth. And I think you had like 10 minutes and you could make a stateside phone call and we'd get in the booth, We'd call our mom and dad or our loved ones, and we'd say, "Hey, it's me. I'm here. Everything is okay." And that was the extent of telecommunications back in those days. And now, of course, we sit here today and we just speed dial on our on our cell phone and we. Call and you get a video
0: out. call, yeah, yeah. and you—it's it's a video call
1: now, so it's absolutely amazing. And you heard me joke about this. So people like you and me. Um. You and I remember when we got our first computer. Oh, yeah. We, I remember the day. You and I are digital immigrants. Okay. We are not digital natives. We're we're older than that. But I remember the day that I bought my first computer. It was probably around 1995. And I bought a 286. And, um... I thought to myself, good God, look at this monstrosity. And for some of you out there, this isn't like a box you would very easily put in the backseat of your car, okay? This thing was huge, it weighed 50 pounds, you bought a monitor, it was deeper than it was wide, that one weighed about 50 pounds, you took it home and you asked yourself the question, oh my goodness, where do I put this thing, right? So here we are 30 years later, and we're not saying, oh my goodness, where do we put this thing? We scratch our head and we say, oh my gosh, where did I put that thing? Yeah.
0: So I have a question about that. So we've become highly dependent on Silicon, highly dependent on technology yeah. as, as a uh, society. Is the military just as highly dependent absolutely. on silicon?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, I mean,
0: I mean that—that's I mean, a big deal then, because our, our supply chain around uh, microelectronics is now uh, highly important. It's, it's a national
1: well. security issue. So, I, I like to tell people we have evolved so to the point where the where microelectronics share center stage with the oil industry as a center of gravity when it comes to national security, global security, economic stability, I mean, it is replete across every fiber of society. You know, when you talk about, uh, you hear our CEO talk about ubiquitous compute. Well, it touches everything. So, and when when you talk about the, the military, I would tell you our vehicles, our weapon systems, are all microelectronics enabled. micro Microchips, enable us to be more precise, more lethal, less weight, faster effects, a more accurate locating system, better and more reliable communications. The list goes on and on. I mean, Well, and
0: we're seeing that actually in the war in Ukraine right now.
1: Oh, oh absolutely.
0: Right. I mean, absolutely. it's amazing that the Ukraine's been able to do what they've been able to do so ab- because absolute. of microelectronics.
1: Lots of takeaways and lots of great things to learn. Uh, by, by seeing how how that unfolds there over there in in Ukraine with the, the conflict uh, with Russia. So, hey, so
0: I have a question around that. Do you think that really spurred on this Chips Act that we see that was recently passed, and so why we're so mm-hmm. concerned about getting the Chips Act passed?
1: So I. Not necessarily the the Ukraine conflict. I think no, the but Act, just in general, our dependency of the, yeah. the Chips Act was was considered necessary long before that. But certainly, when you step back and you look at the global imbalance that we currently are experiencing across the ecosystem, you know, I think and and let let me, let me recouch my answer. So let's talk about national security for just a second. Okay, Okay. Uh, so I've been a student of national security my entire career. That's what we do as professional military officers. Um, But when when you talk about national security, a lot of people want to immediately migrate to a discussion about defense and the role of the armed forces. But I would tell you in a country like ours, if you want to talk about how do you ensure that you protect our national security interests? There are a lot of things that go into that, Darren. It's good governance. It's rule of law. It's a proper and functioning economy. It's having an effective academia. It's healthcare. And of course, it is the armed forces of the United States. So what I would tell you is our doctors, our teachers, our construction workers, firemen, police officers, intel engineers, big shout out to them, right? Right. Uh, And just about almost all of our professions across American society all play a role in providing for the national security of this country. We don't think about it like that. But no, imagine, we really
0: don't. I like that perspective.
1: But imagine an America that doesn't have a good uh, education system or a good healthcare system or a good law enforcement system, right? Imagine an America like that. That would that would directly impact our national security. So when when you talk about that, you got to talk about it in a more holistic way. And so for me personally, you know, when I think about the CHIPS Act, um, if you share in what I just told you, then you'll understand that just about every fiber of what it takes to provide for the national security of this country relies on microelectronics. Yeah. It relies on microelectronics very heavily. And that lovely thing we call silicon. I tell you what, I wish I would have gotten involved in this back Thirty-five years ago, it must have just been so neat to watch. Oh yeah,
0: I, yeah, absolutely. These,
1: these amazing minds and these engineers come up with how how they were able to do that. I'm just I'm inspired by it to be honest yeah. with you. So now, uh, now when you when you talk about the Chips Act, right, and this this incredible imbalance that we have across the ecosystem, across the, you know our microelectronics industry. Um, I, I kind of look at this over a broader continuum continuum of time, right? This has um, amazing potential, and it absolutely does have an impact on uh, the, the national security of our country. And even so much so, we even had some of the uh, leaders in the Department of Defense actually uh, engaged with Congress about the importance of the CHIPS Act. So... It's a very important, my view, very important first step. Okay. This is not the be all to how we redistribute, um, this, this, this balance of capacity and capability in the microelectronics industry. I rolled up my sleeves. I started learning about this. And what I discovered, and I had, I'm going to tell you right now, I had absolutely no idea things were like this even a year ago. Uh, but what I discovered is what an incredibly integrated industry this is. Oh, and no, you and I, right. I have talked about this before. But one day your competitor is company X, and the very next day they're your partner, right? And when you try to unpackage the, what I like to call the, the continuum, or what we call the 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 core activities of the microelectronics industry, whether it's design or or manufacturing, or it's assembly, testing, and packaging, and who makes the the equipment, and where do the raw materials come from, and where does the rare earth elements come from? When you start to when you start to unpackage that, you start to realize what an incredible mosaic of daily activity this is. And why it's so difficult? Why it's so difficult um, to have this very clear sight picture on all of the activity that that takes place? I mean, some and and you so, know, some of these microchips change hands five and ten times. When I yeah, so hands, I'm glad you brought this up five,
0: because yeah, right? because what's interesting about this whole thing is, and you you mentioned it, no one really understood how complex the supply chain is to build a computer, right? Not until COVID hit because what COVID exposed when everyone needed a computer all of a sudden, and then some factories were shut down in Malaysia because they had an outbreak of COVID or a factory in Ireland because there was an outbreak of COVID or Mm -hmm. China or wherever it was, all of a sudden I can't ship a car because it doesn't have a chip in it.
1: Or you can, and it sits in a parking lot until those chips come in, right? Right,
0: Exactly. So I think COVID really kind of exposed this global supply chain, how complex and fragile it really is.
1: Yeah, it it certainly... uh, I mean, maybe a uh, certain segments of the industry and our society knew that there was this this but bad, very uh,
0: small i think yeah I've,
1: but i think very yeah. small and i think you're right that the, the pandemic kind of exposed that you know but so right now um, I would tell you, and, and exposed. I had no idea about the global imbalance that uh, we are we currently have. Yeah, here.
0: what what is it? Eight percent in the U.S. Eight percent of uh, yeah, silicon is manufactured in the and, U.S. Yeah,
1: and yeah, I've I've heard different numbers, but I think ballparkish. We're talking Horse between 12. seventy seventy and eighty percent of the microelectronics come out of Southeast Asia. Um, yeah. and you know wow. that's fundamentally three countries: China, South Korea, and and Taiwan. And Taiwan, so, yeah. When you start to learn about that, you you quickly realize that rebalancing the ecosystem of the global supply chain and returning capacity and capability to U.S. and friendly soil is absolutely tantamount to being able to rebalance what we have. No industry should have single points of failure. Like I think this microelectronics industry definitely has some areas where there is cause for concern. But but i'll tell you it's exciting right and it's refreshing because what i've been observing is um, i've been observing the ecosystem the federal government the defense industrial base all of them are starting to recognize this problem um you know the chips act is is obviously um, representative of people's recognition that we had to do something um, and I also would tell you, you know, watching the other, the, the big companies in this industry that are now saying, hey, you know, we're, we need to relook our business model and where we have certain things done across this continuum of, of that, that that microelectronics uh, ecosystem that we have, we need to relook that. We're starting to see, and I think the the, the Chips Act kind of helped, helped with this, but we're starting to see uh, I know of six countries right now that have said they are going to be investing in fabs in the in, on on u s soil here in in the in the next eight eight to ten years so well,
0: and one of those of course is intel okay let's oh, talk yeah. a little bit about Ohio, but not just Ohio and silicon heartland now but yeah. Arizona and yeah. New mexico it's Critical. amazing the amount of F- fabs we're building right now sure
1: sure the, the, the investment that we put in them what it means to those economies you know what it means to the opportunities of young of young kids uh-huh. who uh, really want to have some kind of a, a a profession in the microelectronics industry Redomesticating capacity and capabilities in the United States of America gives you know it's it's what the United the United States is really birthed upon is opportunity right? And so, yeah. to give them that opportunity is just another great, uh, great thing about uh, taking this, this, making this effort to redomesticate domesticate uh, much of much of the, the microelectronics industry here in, in the in, on U.S. And, and friendly soil.
0: Well, and, and let's talk a little bit about Ohio. Ohio, we're building two fabs right now, already cut ground,
1: right, right,
0: with a plan to build eight fabs.
1: Isn't that exciting? That, Isn't it's that, exciting. That, Each that, fab
0: is $15 billion. That's, yeah. That's a lot of money. That's, That's a lot of money. money. Between That's 12 and $15 billion. And, right. and the number of jobs it's going to bring into the area, not just
1: sure.
0: hired by Intel, but also oh, yeah, other that whole, industries that are moving there as well to support.
1: That, that whole community, right? I mean, that... I, I, I saw this, Darren, I, I saw this with military installations, okay? Oh, yeah. A lot, yeah. A, a lot of times the the surrounding city or community, you know, lived and breathed by what happened on that military installation, the size of the population, the yeah. infrastructure that was there. Uh, I absolutely see that uh, a, a similar thing happening with uh, with. You know what's going to happen there in the new Silicon Heartland. I like that. This
0: is this is really fascinating that it's come to this point. I guess that we maybe we were lulled to sleep a little bit <laughs> in the, as far as you know manufacturing in the United States, but I think we're awoke. I think I think we woke up.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, I don't think anybody ever said, all right, here's the plan. We're going to have a global economy and 80% of all the microelectronics are going to come out of these three countries. So um, I don't I don't think that was ever the intent. Um, and so, which brings me to a point, and I, I even heard our CEO kind of say it in terms, we're a bit in a race against time. That's why uh, yeah. the CHIPS Act was so fundamentally important, right? was to have this infusion of capital investment uh, to be able to start to, to build these FABs and to redomesticate our capacity in the United States uh, on a shorter timeline than what would otherwise have been, you know, who knows how long it would have taken us to build the, the size of the FAB or FABs that you just described there in the in the Silicon Heartland in Ohio.
0: Yeah, okay. in fact, what what's really cool about those FABs going in They are our 18 angstrom fabs that are going in. So those that don't know, that's 1.8 nanometers. Um, Those are the nodes that are going in. And 1.8 nanometers, that's really small. Uh, To put that into perspective for a lot of people, the coronavirus is 72 nanometers wide. And we're doing transistors at 1.8 nanometers in those
1: fabs. That's that's.
0: Mind That's blowing unimaginable.
1: That's unimaginable. I know right? it's
0: so. For those of you that think that you know uh, Intel is is an old, non innovative company, uh, you don't know what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, <laughs> I, I never thought that for one second. Uh, you know. and, oh, Well, there are some people that
0: do. I it's it's well, amazing sure. the, the stuff that the stuff that uh, we do every day. Yeah. So uh, Darren,
1: therein lies a good a good point though is. Uh, being able or, or having people understand the full capacity and the full capabilities of a company like Intel, you know, we describe it as this iconic founder of, of microelectronics, but what they do today is, is just as impressive as what we used to do, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago at the beginning of this, this, um the The building of the of the of the microelectronics industry, so uh, you know, it's it's really important for people to step back and take a look at that. I mean, what what is it? we have twenty thousand software and hardware engineers in this company?
0: No, just just twenty twenty five thousand software engineers. Oh, software, okay. Just software. If you start yeah. adding our hardware and silicon engineers, you know, what a yeah,
1: it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing. And you know, I see that and I hear that and I think to myself. Yeah, do people realize just how not just how important that is to, you know, the country, but to the world, right? Yeah. To the world and to you know those things that I spoke about earlier: our national security, uh, global security, and and stability of our markets. That is so fundamentally important. That's why I'm so inspired and why I'm so uh, happy to have the opportunity to to, you know, be on the Intel team and hopefully contribute. And, and oh,
0: make- we're believe me, we're so glad to have you on the team because you bring in such a new perspective that's helping us um, to sell at a higher level, uh, to really talk about bigger picture yeah. things and to drive new ideas into our technology. So, um, you know, Thomas, welcome to the team. It's It's been wonderful. Having yeah, what,
1: you a, what a treat. I tell you what, I tell you what, you know, when... When after you have a career like I did in the military, and and you want to join, you want to join another team, uh, and you want to keep serving, and you want to keep contributing, I tell you, I I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity, a better next chapter, right, in my life, than to be able to do something like this and and serve with everybody. I'm just so inspired by the leaders that I get to work with. Wow, I mean, we yeah,
0: there, there's job. some really good. We got some really yeah, good guys. On really team,
1: good. So a leadership team. And you know what I also like, so me being the digital immigrant here, I like I like the culture and I like the people and the patience they show me when I scratch my head when you start talking about nano this and Z on that. You know, I I really I really appreciate everybody, you know, with open arms saying, come on, Thomas, let me let me teach you this and and it's really it's really a great it's really it's really great from from beginning to end. I'm just really fortunate to be able to do this i couldn't I couldn't have ever imagined having a better uh a better opportunity than this so thanks thanks, well, to, hey, you. Th- thanks to all the leaders and, and everybody there
0: well hey Thomas thanks for coming on the show today it's been very insightful and um uh thanks again I'm sure we'll have you back on in in uh six months or a year and you're gonna be like um a total silicon expert. You'll be able to. <laughs> you'll be designing <laughs> chips by that time.
1: Yeah. Hey, hey, Darren. So before we before we check off, I, I did I did want to make just a final comment, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know um, what? The the other thing I I you know there's there's this this is in front microelectronics is is front and center right now in a lot of discussions, right? And I would tell you one of the things I find really refreshing uh, and is that it is front and center in a lot of different forums, in defense forums, right? in discussions about national security. Um, and so that really makes that really makes me it makes me feel good, right to know that more and more every day we start to see not just the country's leadership, but all of the all of the professions, recognize just how fundamentally important the microelectronics industry is to all of these professions I mean think about think about something like telemedicine think about think about you know I have a daughter in college right my daughter uh, during the pandemic she continued to attend college. Wow. How did she do that? I tell you what she did it virtually through through her computer. So I mean, when you when you step back and you think about all of that, but well, what I'm really I'm really refreshed and I'm really happy uh, about is um, you know, and I'm really assured that that everybody is is has really put their arms around this thing and recognized just how fundamentally important that it is to to our country and to the world to to, to have a functioning. Ecosystem in the microelectronics industry. I tell you that is tantamount, tantamount to our national security and global security. And so I feel pretty good as I've, I'm learning more and more. But I feel pretty good uh, what I what I've seen a lot of people um, a lot of people do to recognize and to take action uh, when it when it comes to the microelectronics industry. So I really wanted to just kind of leave. The, the conversation on that point that we we should feel good about what everybody is trying to do um, and oh no
0: i I totally agree. I see a, a yeah. bright horizon ahead um, and uh, some really really cool uh, new innovation that's going to drive a, a lot of changes in in yeah. the
1: world and and we get to, the cool thing Thomas, we get to be part of it. Oh I know I know isn't that <laughs> awesome? Know. I'm, I I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pinching myself, you know, <laughs> it's a great, it's, it's great. It well, listen great. Down, so, so sure. Thank you. Just thank you from the bottom of my heart for having me uh, and, and not just for this podcast, but the, 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 no, the, numer- the, the the numerous times that I've been able to attend some of your training uh, events uh, or you just coaching me on the side, uh, I, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. So thank well,
0: you. Uh, like I said, thank you for coming on the show and welcome to the team. We're glad you're here. You you only make us better. So, Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.com. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.